no such thing as a non-functioning, insignificant member in the body of Christ. Do you know that for whom God calls, He gifts and He gets... All of you have been given a gift. Do you know that? All of you are important. How many of you like all of your ten fingers? I like my ten fingers, my ten toes, my elbows, my nose, my ear. I'm so thankful for every member of my body. And every part has a function. And when the parts aren't functioning, then the body is not at its full potential. So we, I'd really ask you to pray about helping us teach. And you, may, you may say, you know, Pastor, I, I don't really have a teaching gift. Well, we actually make it really simple for you. We actually give you the curriculum. And, uh, you know, there's something powerful and something so dynamic in being able to impart into others' lives. And just really give it some time to pray and seek the Lord. Talk to Carol if you can. Amen? Hasn't it been a great time in the presence of the Lord already this morning? You know, I want to just tell you, I, I really felt the Lord uh, show me this morning that our church is turning a corner. And in this corner... The Lord really kind of opened my heart to see and say something that he's healing. He's healing many of you. God is bringing a healing in your life. And one thing that you know, one of the ways you know you're getting healed is that all of a sudden your passion for the Lord is coming to surface. And all of a sudden your confidence begins to grow. And fear begins to subside and all of a sudden you begin to see fruit you experience the joy and the peace of the lord in your life that that's that's a sign of a healthy whole christian jesus is into making us healthy isn't he and we live in a world that is actually glorifying it glorifies what is abused what is sick it seems to glorify rebellion, glorifies things that are negative. I saw on television a couple of months ago where there's a new television program called Divorce Parties, where people now celebrate divorces. Now, for me, to, to, I mean, for, for where we're coming from, to me, that's not a celebration. We don't celebrate something what Satan comes to destroy. But that's what the world does. They celebrate drunkenness. They celebrate lives that are falling apart. And I, I, I'm just so part, I'm so glad to be part of the kingdom where Jesus is building our lives together. Amen? I want to really encourage you tonight also on the life groups. Man, this is a time where we connect. This is a time where you really get a chance to explore and grow and share. And people get to know you as well as you get to know them. Really really encourage you to come out to that if, if this is where the Lord has planted you tonight. Amen? Amen. Are you all here today? Praise God. Well, I uh, want you to take your Bibles out and I want you to jump with me into Matthew chapter 12. And I've been on this series on the life of Gideon. And a couple of weeks ago, the Lord showed me that, in fact, he spoke to me. He said, tell New Life that it's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out of hiding. Everyone say, I'm coming out. Amen. Amen. I know that phrase is everybody's coming out today on the news, you know, and they're so proud of it. And that, that's another thing that's kind of backwards and sick. We celebrate in our society how perverted we are. I'm coming out and I'm letting everybody and I'm going to brag about it. Did you know that that's what Sodom and Gomorrah used to do? They're coming out. Well, that, that's not a... But, but I believe that believers, and I'm not here to put the sinners down on that, I'm, I'm here to let the church know that it's time for the church to come out. It's time to, for the church to rise and shine. Amen. For your light has come. And I, I want everyone to know that God is so enthusiastic and he is so passionate and he looks at you today and he smiles on there's a smile on his face as he looks 
And every single one of you, doesn't matter how depth, how deep your sin may be, doesn't matter how far away you may be from the Lord, you are in a place where Jesus comes with His hands extended and He says to all of us that if we will come unto Him, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I, I want you to know that God wants you to enjoy life. Everyone say enjoy life. You see, if you're not enjoying life, if you're not experiencing the abundant life, then your life's not going to reflect His glory. If your life is a life that is boring, your life is a life that is mundane and just kind of going in circles. By the way, it just brought to my attention, next Sunday, I I don't want to forget this, David, my son, shared a dream that the Lord gave him, and it was a word for the church, and you've got to come next Sunday. The Lord gave him a dream about new life, and uh, he told my wife and I, and it, it was mind-blowing, and I, I said, David, that's, that's God, and so next Sunday, you do not want to miss next Sunday. He's going to be sharing a word from the Lord. Uh, now, I, I probably just blew my message by saying that, because now you wouldn't want to... <laughs> That's okay. I got a word from God too, by the way. But, but I was so uh, blessed to hear what he had to say. But, um, you know, I, I, I want us to understand the fact that in the abundant life, in the life that Jesus has given to the church, and what he's doing right now is he's opening our eyes to the treasures and the blessing, like what he did with Candace and what God spoke this morning through Jerry Overture and through David, and, and uh, I love what uh, uh, Megan said this morning. See, God's trying to help us understand. Remember what David even said, how just even in that ear problem, he just spoke to the problem to stop, and it did. And one of the, one of the things that gives us that sense of passion and power and abundant life is when you know the authority you have in Christ and you begin to operate and exercise that word over your life. Amen? And you you begin to speak and call those things that are not as though they are. And so that's that's what God is doing. There's There's an outpouring right now on new life that is coming in the form of His grace and people are beginning to really see why they were created. God's beginning to show you the beauty and how special you really are. Amen? Everyone, I want everyone to turn to somebody and say, you're special. And I, now, now I want you to say this, because uh, I, I can't remember who said it, but I think, I think Jerry might have said it, or somebody came up here and said, you smell good. Who said that? Lynette? Man, Lynette, that was an awesome word. You, do you know that in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says that we are the fragrance of the Lord. There's uh, now turn to your neighbor and say you smell really good. Praise God. The, the aroma, the fragrance of Jesus is on you. And by the way, you really do. Everything about you is beautiful. He gave you beauty or ashes. He gave you the oil of joy for mourning. He, he gave you the garments of praise. He, he's clothed our nakedness with His righteousness. And then He says, you're called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. He's come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What He is saying is that this is the time of the favor of the Lord. God has come to bring favor upon His people. Now I want you to understand this. Some of us have come out of backgrounds and church backgrounds. In fact, you know, I, I want to open up with a little story. I had a guy come to me just about, about two weeks ago. He, he was not from New Life, by the way. He didn't come. He never come to New Life. He came, just dropped into the morning. One day I was out here. Actually, I was working on this lift. We had a lift out here, and I was working outside. This guy came, and he just stopped, and we had a chance to talk a little bit out here. And I brought him inside, and we just had a chance to talk. And he, uh, he said, you know, 
I've got some real needs in my life. Actually, this was a kind of a first, too. This, this guy actually didn't come and ask for money or food. We always get that. <laughs> this guy really came in. He just said, you know, I just, I just need somebody to pray for me. And as he began to open his heart up to me, he, he said this. <clears throat> he said, you know, I, I was raised in church, and I've lost the fire. I've lost that love that I used to have for the Lord. And, and, and this is what he said. He says, I've just lost that love and that fire and that, that passion. <clears throat> and he says, one of the things that's bothering me, this is what he said, my mind has become very sadistic. I've just, my mind has just seeped into some type of thinking that is very dark, very negative. I've become very hurtful to my family. I've said things to my kids that I know have damaged, brought damage just because of the words of my mouth. I've said things that were so hurtful just because I've, I've discovered by being away from the Lord, I have become mean. And I don't like myself. And by the way, this guy goes to another church in the area. <clears throat> but he says, I don't want to talk to my pastor because I didn't want anybody to, to know where I'm at and what I'm doing. So he comes to me, to a guy he doesn't know, by the way, that happens a lot too, by the way. But, but he, he comes to me, he says, you know, I, he says I, I don't know how to get, I, I don't know, oh, and, then, and then he said this, this is another thing, he said, I just don't love God. I, I just don't have a love for God. I, I don't know I don't love God anymore. I just don't love his word. I have a hard time reading. Uh, I really love sin. Man, I just, I just love sinning. You know, and I don't want to tell my preacher that. And I said, well, first of all, can I tell you that if Jesus was here right now, he would actually thank you for your honesty. And do you know that it's okay to come to the Lord and actually open up your heart and he's not going to judge you for your honesty? And neither is he going to judge you because of your sinfulness or your problems. Now, that's something that he never heard of before. He says, every time I've been in church, he says, the one thing I've done is I've tried to do my best. I've, I've tried to do the right thing. And I always seem to fall short on what I have to do. I, I can't ever seem to do anything right for God. I can't seem to do it right. And I get so frustrated and I've gone back to some habits that I've had in my life I'm ashamed of, and guilt hangs over me. I've been in churches where pastors that I've had, the pastor that I have right now, he says, a good man, but the pastor I have is always telling me what I need to do, and I try to do it, and I never seem to connect. I never seem to get through the problem and really get back to the place where I'm where I know I need to be. And I, I felt the Lord give me a word of wisdom. The Bible very clearly states that, and I, I told him, I said, you know what, you have been raised in a, with a gospel and in a religion where works have hung over your head, where you feel that you must do something you feel that you must try harder and be better. And if I only go to church and if I only get involved and if I read harder and obey better, then and if I just can do the right thing, then I'll get and get the victory. And I said, one of the problems with you right now is that you have become, instead of a, a real... And instead of coming un to understand what it is to be a Christian and the freedom that it is for the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I said, what you're doing is you have become a slave. There are strongholds in your mind. You, you have become a slave in your relationship with the Lord. How many of you know there's two types of believers? There are those who have an orphan spirit which ultimately become slaves because the only thing they think about is the assignment and the task. If you have a slave mentality, all you're thinking about is what you have to do to get right. But when you're a son, 
you know you have an inheritance. And it's, it's not about the assignment, the task, or the sacrifice. It's about the relationship. And I said, the problem with you is you have never really come to know. I asked him, have, has anybody ever really introduced you to Jesus? I mean, have you ever really known who He is and what He's all about? He said, well, I've, I've heard all about the commandments and I've heard how I need to keep myself clean and I need to go to church and I need to pray and I need to tithe and I need to do this and I need to witness and I need to, and I need to keep my nose clean or God's going to dangle hell over you. There's a, there's a lot of people that have that mindset. And what's, what has happened We've turned our congregations into slaves to the law. We've turned them into slaves to what they have to do to try to somehow gain the favor and acceptance with God. And I told this guy, I said, you know what? You are no longer free. You have strongholds. You have become a slave by, because of the belief system and the theology that you have. In other words, you don't know Jesus. Now, I gave him one very, really simple scripture. It's in 1 John 4, 19. The Bible says this. We love Him because He first loved us. You see, the reason why people lose their passion is because they really don't know how much He loves them. To the degree that you love Him is based upon the knowledge or the revelation of your, of your knowledge of how, he much, how much you love Him. And in fact, I, I, I said this to this guy and I prayed with him. I said, to this day, from this day on, you're not going to do anything to earn His love. To the, right now, you are going to stop trying to prove yourself worthy to gain His love. Because you can't do it. I also told him something that made his eyes go wide, wide open, and you've already heard this. You are unpunishable. Jesus took the punishment of your sins. In fact, I said this, do you know that you did not nail Jesus to the cross? Well, yeah, but my pastor said that our sins nailed him. No, you did not nail him to the cross. The Jews didn't nail Jesus to the cross. The Gentiles, Jesus put himself on the cross. Jesus said, no man takes my life. But I freely lay my life down. And he says, wow, did the guilt come off of me. Just, just like that, the guilt. He says, man, I, I thought I was guilty of putting Jesus on. No, no, see, if you think that you put Jesus on the cross, then you have something to prove that you're worthy to try to gain his acceptance. Jesus came and he gave his life. He laid his life down for you. Because there's nothing you can ever do to gain his acceptance or his righteousness. He laid his life down for you. But what you have to do, which is a stumbling block to so many people, is simply believe and receive. You just got to receive it. And I said, what, what we have here is we have some strongholds. You got some religious strongholds. By the way, I believe there are people here today that have had religious strongholds. You've not come into the abundant life. Now, I want to talk a little bit this morning about how to cultivate the favor of God in your life. We're going to be going back to the life of Gideon. Remember, Gideon had a serious problem with what we called a wilderness mentality thinking. The wilderness, remember, how many of you know what the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus, when he came, he was the personification of the kingdom. In fact, I want you to see some scriptures. Uh, uh, go ahead, Bill, if you can put the next scripture up. I, I, want, I want everyone to see this because I want us to understand the goal of our Christianity here. Notice what it says. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is... Everyone say, within me. The kingdom of God is within me. I, I want us to understand, the first important thing about the kingdom, it's in us. 
Everyone say, in me. I've got it. It's in me. The key, if Jesus dwells in you, you got the kingdom. Now what that means is, that doesn't mean you can sing in the choir. It doesn't mean that uh, you can just have a bunch of gifts. The kingdom means that you actually have all power and authority. There is a dominion mindset that we need to begin to come to understand. There are three things about the kingdom you need to understand. The kingdom of God always brings increase. It will cause you to advance and you will occupy. Everyone say occupy. You see, God wants you to occupy healing. He wants you to occupy a strong and a healthy marriage. He wants you to occupy Canaan land. He wants you to occupy the kind of a mindset that understands that you are the head, you're not the tail. You're not a victim anymore. But see, the wilderness mindset is a mindset that is based on offenses. There are many believers today coming to the, the house of God and they have offenses and they have walls around them. Not only do they have offenses, but their minds are filled with unbelief. They are filled with faithlessness. They're, it's filled with emptiness. There's no vision in their minds. They even have a false sense of humility. I see some people going around saying, Oh, Pastor Ray, I'm not righteous. I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a dog in the kingdom of God. I'm so unworthy. And they're trying to bring about some kind of a humility when really what it is, it's a false humility. Do you know that God is not glorified when you go around having false humility? God is not glorified. In fact, usually false humility is an excuse for why some people say, I can't do nothing in the kingdom because I just don't have nothing, so I'm humble. I just better. You know, it's kind of like the servant who hid his talent instead of used his talent. You see, the kingdom of God is advancing, the kingdom of God is increasing, and the kingdom of God always occupies. You are increasing, advancing, and occupying. Now, there are some that are maintaining, but the Bible says that the kingdom is within me. Next verse. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but what? In power. That means I have power. Now that, that's really important. What, is, what, is, what kind of power do I have? Let's go to the next verse. Notice what Jesus said in Luke 10. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in Your name. And He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I want you to listen to me. The Bible says, for as He is, so are we in this world. God wants you to see that you're going to see dominions and powers and principalities are going to start falling in front of your eyes. He says this, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and Serpents and scorpions over all. Everyone say all. all. Didn't say some. It says all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're not going to get hurt through this. Now, now, let me clarify that. He's not saying that you may not physically. He, he said in one other passage, he says, do not fear man who has the power to kill the body but fear him who has the power to cast your soul in hell. So that's what he's talking about is your spirit, man. There's times that we may suffer for the cause of Christ. But it says here, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that your spirits are subject. Spirits are subject. Everyone's spirits are subject. That means that I do not ever have to give up. That means I never have to say, I can't make it. The spirits are subject. Scorpion, snake. When we talk about scorpion, snake, those, the Bible uses those unclean animals, or those insects, in fact, to, to define the nature of the demonic powers. 
They have the power to sting. They have the power to, to, uh, to do what they do, the, the deceptive, the, the seductive part of it. But he's, he's defining the nature of the spirit behind strongholds. And this is so important when it comes to understanding the authority that we have in the kingdom of God. In other words, whenever we as believers are facing issues, we need to recognize the spirit behind these problems, behind people. We need to come to understand that even in our nation, do you know that even in our nation right now, we need to understand that there are spirits. The Bible says the God of this world blinds the eyes of men, or even right now. Okay? We need to understand there are spirits, there are principalities and powers given dominion over areas of the earth. We go into the book of Daniel, you'll find that the prince of Persia was given a satanic power over a particular area. And when Daniel had fasted and prayed for 21 days, when, when, when Michael, the warring angel, came, he says, from the first day you prayed, your prayers were heard, Michael. But it was the prayer of Daniel. Listen to me, folks, on the power of prayer. It was the prayer of Daniel that released the supernatural power to send Michael over a particular region and break and destroy the principality over that area. It was the power of prayer through the prayer of Daniel that released the angelic host against the powers of darkness that were, that were glooming over, over those areas. And yet today, I'll tell you, years ago, the Lord gave me a vision one time, and I, I literally was in church. This was several years ago. And I was in prayer, and I saw these massive angels standing around, and they were lounging. I saw angels lounging, sitting down, laying down, standing on the wall. I said, Lord, what, what am I seeing here? He says, my people aren't praying. But as soon as a prayer, one prayer went forth, they just like lightning went, just gone. When you pray, do you know that you release the angelic host of heaven and the angels begin to go? Because angels are ministering spirits. God has given all of the church angels to minister for us and for him, for the will of the Lord there. But rather rejoice because your names are written in, the, written in heaven. Go to the next passage there, Bill, if you can. The kingdom of God is always increasing, advancing. Say that with me. The kingdom of God is always increasing, advancing, and occupying. And by the way, that's what you're doing. You are increasing. You are advancing. My children are increasing. My kids are increasing. When I look at my kids, they're not just stupid little runts. I don't call my kids names. My kids are mighty young men of valor. I look at my kids and I prophesy vision. I look at my wife, I prophesy a mighty virtuous woman whose price is far above. As a leader and as a priest of my home, I want the blessing and the favor of God on my life. By the way, folks, the kingdom of God does not come in function, in power in your life until you open the gate. You've got to begin to make room for it. And that's where it takes leadership. One of the things that the devil is doing today is he has done a great job in bringing words and this is one thing that is so concerning me is god's people because of the lack of knowledge they are void of the knowledge of god they do not know how to discern the different voices that come to them when i was talking to that man a couple of weeks ago that had this sadistic negative dark thinking I said, do you know that the thoughts that are coming to your mind are not of God? He said, no, I just thought they were my own thoughts. I said this, I asked him this. I said, what do you watch and what do you feed on? He says, what do you mean, what do I feed on? I said, what do you read? What do you watch? Well, and this is what he told me. Well, I love horror movies. Horror movies. What's a horror movie? I, I don't even know what a horror movie is. Well, it's, you know, you know, like uh, Chainsaw Massacre, you know, I kind of like an old kind of. And I'm thinking, as a believer, I said, you're watching, even though it's Hollywood, you're watching horror movies 
where people or children or women are being tied up, gagged, and you think that is entertainment. Yeah, I get a kick out of that. I said, tell me, what else do you do? Well, I got video games. What kind of video games are they? And he began to tell me about some of the video games, which I cannot repeat because I can't remember. But some of those video games were video games that had to do with sorcery and the demonic. And I said, do you want to understand, do you realize that Satan will use the avenue of entertainment to seduce and dilute and distract and destroy your mind. He says, no, I, didn't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm being, he, this is what he, I don't think I'm being destroyed. I said, you're being destroyed. I said, do you think that the clean can live in the house with the unclean? You see, you need to understand that you have opened your heart to the gates of hell. I mean, I just, I, I was pretty strong with this guy. I said, do you want to be free? I said, you're going to have to clean some house. How many of you believe it's time for the house of the Lord to get their house in order? It's time for leadership. Everyone say leadership. And I, I, I really meant, I, I told this young man, I said, if you want your house, if you want your home, if you want the kingdom, and here's one thing, he says, I never can sleep at night. I have no peace. I just don't have any peace. I said, do you understand what's going on? You have no peace because you've opened the gates of hell and you've given authority and you've given ground to the enemy for spirits to torment you. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. I do not believe that guy believed me. He's a guy who's said he's gone to church all of his life. I do not believe, and I honestly believe that a lot of Christians think they can watch that kind of trash and they think it won't affect them. How many of you believe that we need to guard our hearts? We need to guard our ears. If you are watching pornography, there are spirits that come through pornography. Do you know what happened to Samson in the book of Judges? Isn't it interesting? Here was a guy who had a pornography problem. What was the first thing that happened? What was the first thing he lost because of his pornography problem with Delilah? His sight. When you begin to open your heart and your eyes, you will find yourself losing discernment, losing vision, and then you'll find yourself going in circles. Remember what he did? The... the uh, Philistines had him go in circle and they mocked him for the rest of his life until the end. Actually, the Lord gave him strength and he was able to kill more Philistines in the latter part of his life. But the, what I'm trying to say here is there's a consequence for sin. And we need to understand that the enemy is doing everything today to destroy, to, to desensitize, to somehow distract believers. One thing I'm doing with our men, and by the way, guys, I'm talking to our men. We have our men's breakfast every third Saturday of the month. And one thing we're doing is we're teaching our men how to be mighty men of valor. Mighty men of God. How to fight a good fight. How to war a good warfare. And let me tell you something. God can restore vision. God can heal you and make what the enemy meant for evil. Turn it around and bring victory in your life. But I'm here to tell you this morning, we've got to embrace our new identity, we need to embrace our new nature in the kingdom. Jump with me. In a, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm just going to end with the Scripture because our time is moving, but I've, I don't want to do, go back into Judges. But I'm going to close with this text here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. Very important passage, what Jesus is talking about here. I believe more than ever, Jesus wants you free. He doesn't want you just free. He wants you strong. And He wants you to be in a place where He can effectively use you. You are effective. You have gifts. God has planted you. He's appointed you for such a time as this. By the way, I honestly believe that none of you are here by accident. 
I believe you are here by divine appointment, and I believe whether you're here for a short time or a long time, I believe you're here by divine appointment, and I believe you're here because God is bringing a spirit, a, a deposit in your life that is going to be a transforming deposit for the rest of your life. I really believe that. That's what the Lord, Holy Spirit told me. He says, I'm bringing a deposit in this house that is going to transform the lives of those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, in this passage, this is a powerful passage that Jesus talks about. It's really a picture of salvation. Notice what it says. When an unclean spirit, verse 43, Matthew 12, 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, really this is a picture, by the way, of salvation. In other words, an unclean spirit goes out. It doesn't go out on his own. He's been cast out. When an unclean spirit goes out, in other words, he goes out because he has been evicted. Do you know what that's what the blood of Jesus did? The blood of Jesus evicts Satan, the powers of unclean spirits, out of the house. And the spirit goes through dry places seeking rest. He doesn't find. Then he says, I will return to my house. Notice what the Spirit says. The Spirit says that person that the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, kicked me out of, I'm going to go back to my house. I belong back there in that person. Let me tell you how that works. There are some times where I hear people say this, Pastor, I just can't get the victory over this area in my life. I'll say, why? It's too hard. You know what that confession is really saying? There's a spirit behind that confession. The reason why we say something is too hard, by the way, I've said it. I've said it too in my own life. But I didn't realize what I was doing. I was actually agreeing with the enemy who believed, who was trying to convince me to believe that he belonged there. He was actually trying to convince me that I cannot live without that spirit and without that voice in my life. That's why you have some people, they make certain confessions like this. I can't change. I can't get help. I'm always stupid. I'll always be a dummy. See, they're not listening to the right voice, are they? See, that's an unclean spirit. You may say, well, why, why is that an unclean spirit? Because that does not agree or match up with what God's Word says about you. First of all, you're not stupid. You're not dumb. And you're not not gifted. You are gifted. You are more than conquerors. You are redeemed, blessed, chosen, called of God. You are more than conquerors in Christ. God has given you a name and He comes to give you beauty, comes to cover your nakedness with His righteousness. In other words, when He comes to pour His grace, He brings increase, advancement, and He gives you the victory to occupy in every area of your life. But the Bible says an unclean spirit, when it comes back, He comes back to, He calls it His house. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to learn to discern the voices. I was talking to a person not too long ago. They said, you know, Pastor, I'm just mean. That's what this guy said. I'm just mean. I said, you know why you're mean? Yeah, I, I'm just angry. I just got a lot of anger and I'm mean. I said, you know why? Yeah, because I feel like I've been ripped off all my life. I said, do you know where that's coming from? Well, yeah, people have hurt me, they've taken advantage, I've been abused, and I've been ripped off. That's what I'm angry about. I said, do you know that those things may have happened in your life? And we're not denying that. And neither does Christianity sit here and deny the fact that you've been hurt and abused. But do you understand that the devil wants to hold you into a mindset of defeat by causing you to rehearse and rerun the same movie in your life so you'll never break out of that trap? 
Unless you begin to embrace the power of a transformed mind, you will stay on that level of poverty. You'll never break the curse of that poverty thinking. And I said, you are a mighty man of God. And I said, right now, in, in the face of everything that you think is right, we are going to bring down those strongholds in Jesus' name. We are going to declare the Word of God and we are going to cast out every unclean spirit that has no place in your mind. He says, wow, you're radical. Yeah, I'm kind of radical. I really, you really mean this, don't you? Yeah, I really mean it. You know what? We really don't take the things of God seriously. We just kind of watch TV and we just listen to people tell jokes and we just let people call us names. Oh yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah, my dad said I'll want to amount to much, so I'm, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never get a job. I'll never get married. You know, I'm ugly. Yeah. Those kind of confessions are not from God. It's from the pit of hell. That is the scorpion and the snake that you need to be under your feet. Everyone take your right foot and stomp it. That's what you're going to do with that next thought because it's a snake, it's a scorpion, and my Bible says you're going to trample it under your feet. See, so you are to take authority over snakes, and scorpions. Well, how does the snake... Well, have you noticed? But sometimes, when you walk on a snake and a scorpion, guess what? You might get bit. You might get stung on the foot. And sometimes we get stung because we have the memory. But I want you to tell you, you crushed the head. You've destroyed it. Now, in this passage, notice what else Jesus says. I'm going to come back to my house. And when he comes in, he finds it what? Empty. Swept. And put in order. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first, so that shall be with this wicked generation. Notice what Jesus is talking about. Remember what I said the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is always advancing. It's always increasing. And it always comes to occupy in this passage, Jesus is talking about a guy who's not advancing, increasing, or occupying. He's talking about a guy who's maintaining. In other words, this person who is saved, his house is in order. Do you know that when you get saved, Jesus puts your life in alignment? When you're saved, your life is in order. And your life is also swept he washes out the unclean. He cleanses you. He washes you. And you're free in Jesus. But you're empty. Do you know it's possible to be saved but be empty? Now somebody's probably saying, well, Pastor Ray, how can you be empty if Jesus is in your life? Well, let me put it this way. How many of you know that when a baby is born, when a baby is born, it's born into the family, it, it's born, it becomes a child. But how many of you know that baby needs to be fed? Not only in its stomach, we need to feed its mind. You need to feed, by the way parents, it's great to put food in, on the plate for your kids, but your children's spirit needs to be fed. You need to develop and feed their mind with the Word of God. They need to be fed with the knowledge of God's ways, His purpose, and His plans for the life. They need to come to understand their identity as sons so they don't fall into the trap of becoming orphans and slaves. There are many people in the body of Christ today. They walk and live like orphans and slaves with a poverty mentality. They never come up to the full potential as sons who walk in the authority and the dominion and the inheritance that God has for them because they've, all they've known is a life of maintaining. And when you live a life, and, I, and let me tell you something, 
I'll ask some people sometimes, are you coming out and getting involved in Wednesday night classes? No, I'm tired. I understand we're tired. We're working hard. Do you ever come out to prayer? No, I don't come out to prayer. I can't. You get on time on Sunday morning. No, I don't come. I'm not under legalism. I'm not under the law. Praise God. I'm maintaining. Guess what? You are susceptible when the word of God. How many of you know what the Bible calls about the word? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, take upon yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. What does he call the Bible? The sword of the Spirit. You see, if you don't have the knowledge of God's Word, you're not going to be able to discern the difference between the clean and the unclean. All of a sudden, you're going to find yourself like this young man who came to me two weeks ago. I don't know why I've become so decadent and so dark in my thinking and my marriage has gone down. I've lost peace. And, and all of a sudden, he's been seduced by video games and horror movies he's open gates because there was no knowledge there was no no knowledge of god hosea 6 says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and because of the lack of the knowledge of god they become vulnerable susceptible and when the enemy comes in like a flood there's no way there's no way they can withstand the powers of deception. Do you know that when the devil comes, let me tell you something about the devil. He's not going to come in with a pitchfork and two horns on his head. The devil comes in the form of something that is so attractive to you. He was considered the most beautiful cherub based on what Isaiah and Ezekiel talks about when he fell from the heavens. He was the most attractive, the most beautiful. And guess what? He was in charge of the worship in heaven. He was over the music. Do you know what our worship centers today? A lot of people think church is just meeting in some building with a cross. No, let me tell you where a lot of worship service it's at these concerts. Do you know Satan understands the power of music because music is what opens the soul? Have you ever seen a concert? You'll see thousands of hands. And guess what? Their hands are up. And you know what? Many of the people that go to these concerts, they paint their face, they get tattoos, and they look like the artists that they worship on the stage. The thing that a lot of these thousands of people don't understand is that many of these people that are musicians are nothing but puppets and priests that are in the hand of Satan to turn the entire nation, to get them to buy into a culture of darkness, to get them to buy into a way of thinking that is sadistic and dark. I shared this testimony years ago, but I remember going into a home. I was a pastor, or a carpenter, I mean. And it was two lawyers, a husband and wife team. And they had two young people that were in, in, in total rebellion. And I, they, they asked me to come into the house and to give a bid on replacing their master bedroom door. Because the master bedroom door had a huge hole in it which the daughter, the teenage daughter, had tried to hack down with an axe because she was coming in to kill her mom and dad. They, they had just put their teenage daughter in prison or in jail the night before. So they called me up to come, and this is no kidding. The mother asked me to put a metal door on their master bedroom. I said, why? Well, and, and she just broke down. She said, We're just, I just don't know what to do. Our, our kids are just out of control, and I don't know what to do. I mean, she just broke down. And then I realized the Lord had sent me there for more than just repairing the door. And I'll never forget, I will never forget to the day I die, the face when I asked this, these parents this question. I asked the parents, I said, 
I know I'm here to help you, give you a bid to fix your door and repair the damage in the house, and I, I, I want you to know I'm a Christian man, and, and I, I believe in Jesus, and I believe I understand the nature of things that are going on behind the scenes here. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, well, there are spirits behind these kind of actions. It's not just mind. It's not just body. It's not just temperament or mood or behavior. There are spirits that are speaking to these kids through different avenues. And I asked the mother and father this question. I was floored when they gave me this response. I said, can I see their bedroom? They looked at me. Why do you want to see their bedroom? I said, you can tell a lot by a teenager by what's on the walls in their bedroom. This is what the mother told me. We can't get in their bedroom. I said, what do you mean you can't get in their bedroom? Well, they've locked, they've locked us out. I said, what? I, I locked you out? Who, is this a hotel? Or is this your, who, who's the mom and dad? I, mean, I, I was pretty, I know I'm here to put a bid on. I said, but are you the parents? Yes. They, they put deadbolts, my son and my daughter put deadbolts since to keep us out. These were lawyers. These were supposed to be intelligent. I said, you mean you, you have no access into the bedroom because they locked you out? This was in Portland, Oregon. And, and these parents, very mild-mannered kind of people that wouldn't make anyone, oh yeah, we, 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 you know, they, they said that that was their space and we, we were just kind of going along with what, I mean, all the kids do that, don't they? I said, not in my house. In my house, the kingdom of God reigns. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. I said, and I said this, would you mind if we get into the house? And they were almost reluctant, but they said that they would. You know what I did? I pulled out, I pulled out a credit card. <clears throat> Actually, there was a deadbolt, but the deadbolt wasn't locked or something like that. But I, I, I slivered it in with my credit card. We open the door, and on all of the walls, now I know for some of you young kids, this, but Led Zeppelin, Ozzy Osbourne, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath, all of this was on, and if you've ever heard the lyrics, you know, by the way, I love music. I love rock music. I like hard rock music, by the way. There's nothing wrong with the style of music, but the message the message is what defiles it. The spirit behind it is what sends power. It sends life or sends death. And so I, I asked those kids, or I asked that mom and dad, I said, here's your problem. By the way, when we walked into that bedroom, I will never forget the darkness and the oppression that was in that room. There were candles, and they had, I forgot what the name is, uh, a satanic round circle. What is that called? Yeah, they had it all over those rooms, especially in the girls' room, the daughters' room. I said, do you understand what's going on here? The parents had no idea. I said, do you understand that you have spirits of rebellion? Do you know that Satan is the author of rebellion? And these parents had no concept. Now, I wasn't there to give them a guilt trip. You're not raising... We, we, I didn't approach that in any way towards these parents. These parents were really ignorant. They needed hope. They needed help. They needed love. They needed some kind of guidance. Uh, by the way, they had put enough drugs, uh, prescription drugs down their kids, they had a lot of things to try to relax and, and help their kids relax because even their child psychologist, psychiatrist couldn't get them any help. But here's the thing. Only Jesus can bring true deliverance. And I, I remember praying for that couple asking the Lord to come and let your will be done. But the one thing I asked that father, I looked at that father, I said, you know what? If you want to break this thing in your home, there's something that's going to be important for you. So what's that? You need to surrender to Jesus. Because you see, your surrender to Jesus Christ is what gives power to you to evict the powers of darkness. Because when you surrender to the authority of Jesus. Every knee has to bow.
No, that, that's when you can really say no weapon formed against you can prosper. Why can you say no weapon? Because you are under the authority of His name and His word. But when you're not under His authority, you have no protection. I personally am kind of, I'm kind of concerned where people are, well, we go around, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Well, are you under the authority of the Lordship of Jesus? No, no, I'm not under that kind of legalism. You're fooling yourself. The authority of Jesus is what gives you power over darkness. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not going to church. It's not tithing. It's not, it's not anything else. It's your surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying, folks? We are going to advance. We are going to occupy where snakes and scorpions. We are going to see the powers of darkness broke over people's lives. We are going to see the kingdom come in power and not with observation. We're going to see that happen. Amen? I wish I could have gone back. But let, let me just close with this. Jesus said that the unclean spirit came back because the house was empty. I want to ask you this morning, is your house empty? What do I mean by an empty house? An empty house is a house void of the knowledge of God. It's void of the presence of God. It's void of faith in God. It's void of the love of God. There's a scripture in Proverbs 24, verse 3 through 5. It says, through wisdom is a house built, and by it the rooms are filled with precious treasures whereby a man of God goes and makes war against his enemy. I've got, now I, I didn't quote that exactly right, but if you read Proverbs 24, 3 through 5, you'll find a powerful text. For, for the sake of time, I'm not going there. But folks, we need to fill the knowledge, we need to fill our rooms, we need to fill our life so much with God, so when the unclean spirit, by the way, the unclean spirit will come back. Oh, pastor, I don't receive that. No, you better receive it because Jesus said it. Jesus said the unclean... By the way, when he comes back, he's bringing seven other buddies besides him. And when he comes back, he is not going to be nice. He doesn't knock at the door and he's not polite. When he comes, he is coming to attack, invade. He's coming to seduce and destroy. And I, I, I believe we as the church, we need to... I'm not saying this to be afraid. I'm letting you know that we have the authority and the power. I want, I'm not saying this for us to be shook up. But I would say that if you don't have the, your windows and if you don't have your doors guarded, if, you're, if my house is empty, if I'm not filling my house, my life with the knowledge of God's Word, I am vulnerable. I am vulnerable. And by the way, the devil will do everything he can to say, you know, <laughs> oh, you don't need to get all that serious about God and pressing. I am. We're not under that kind of law. No, the devil will distract you. He will keep you busy doing everything else. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and say, why is there oppression? Why is this oppression on my life? Why am I bored? Why are, where's the fire? Where's the life of God? doesn't mean you've sinned. It doesn't mean you're backslid. But the enemy can distract you in those ways. You're hearing what I'm saying? Now, we're going to apply what I just said today, not next Sunday because I want David sharing. When I come back and share the following Sunday, we're going to go back into the life of Gideon and we're going to take Matthew 12 with us. And we're going to see how Gideon came back and became a mighty deliverer. God's not interested in just delivering you. He's going to use you to deliver others. He's going to take those that are weak and make them strong. He's going to take those that have no power and give you supernatural strength. But in the passage of Judges 6, there's an amazing story how God teaches Gideon to live a life of the supernatural. And I wanted to show that. can't wait to share it with you, but not now. Amen? Let's bow our heads.
Amen. Maybe this morning you say, Pastor Ray, I want my life to be filled with the knowledge of God's Word. I need my life to come into order. I know the Lord has a wonderful plan. He has His hand on my life, but I know I need the Lord. I need the I need to bring my house in order. I need to bring my life. And I, I feel that for a long time, I've, I've allowed the enemy, even through unclean spirits, to speak in my mind over my heart. And I just, I want to, I need to bring, make a stand today. I need to take a stand. I want to surrender myself to the Lord because I need the power of His kingdom. I need the dominion of his kingdom in my home. I love Jesus. I love him. I'm not saying you're a backslider, but maybe you've allowed the enemy. The enemy has come in like a flood. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand.